This episode is brought to you by Odeon, and if you've been to watch a film at Odeon lately, you'll know that nothing beats that cinematic feeling. It's not just about stuffing your face with delicious popcorn, although, let's be honest, that helps. It's your hair standing on end, your palms sweating, and being transported somewhere magical. It's feeling every footstep of some giant lumbering monster. It's car chases, space battles, and your heart beating out of your chest. It's about feeling cinematic. And nobody does that better than Odeon. Head to odeon.co.uk or download their app to book your next adventure today. Also, just before we head to our fantastic virtual cinema, how would you like a pair of tickets to head to a fantastic and very real cinema? Because the lovely people at Odeon have handed us a pair of tickets to give away every show, and if you'd like the chance to head to your nearest Odeon and enjoy a movie, all you need to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a comment on our socials. I'll explain more and announce this week's winner at the end of the show. Finally, if you want some visual extras from the show or to get in touch, we're on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Trip to Movies Pod. And if you'd like to watch your interviews rather than listen, go ahead and subscribe to our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel where you'll find the full video interviews to every episode in glorious Technicolor. All right, back to this episode. If you're ready, let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, the podcast where each week a special guest takes us on an incredible journey as they curate their perfect night out at our fantastic virtual cinema. This week we are joined by a brilliant actress and filmmaker whose new documentary, Love to Love You, Donna Summer, is released on HBO next week and looks back at the incredible life and career of her mother, the legendary Donna Summer. Taking us on today's Trip to the Movies, it's a supremely talented Brooklyn Sedano. Hello! Hi, hello. Thank you for that intro. Wow. Hey, so <laughs> where <laughs> Hey, it's a big intro. It's a big intro, but it's a it's a big big documentary we're going to talk about. And I want to take you back to the beginning. What was the catalyst that inspired you to go about taking this look back at the career and incredible life of your mother? You know, I, I think it was a couple of things. Um, I, when I first, it was about seven years ago, about when I first came to my father with this idea and saying, I, I'd like to do this do- a documentary on mom. How do you feel about that? I had recently become a mother and had been dealing with my own, you know, understanding of how to be a working mom, dealing with, the, you know, just the grief and the layers that come with not having your mom when you go through that experience. And so it was really on the forefront of my mind, um, along with just the amount of people that would come up to me and talk to me about their experience uh, personally with my mother or through her music and how it affected them and affected their own personal lives. And so I just felt like there was a lot to be said and a lot to be unpacked with her life and her artistry and that it was a worthwhile thing. And so I was like, let's go on this journey. And, and so thankfully I was, you know, introduced to Roger and the team at Motto Pictures, my producers and Polygram and HBO. And it just kind of became this like really amazing team. And, and we, we, we made a, a, a film that we are extremely proud of. And and unflinchingly honest as well. It's a very honest film. Was that important to you from day one when you sat down with um, Roger Ross Williams, your your co-director? Were you both on exactly the same page in terms of what you wanted to achieve with this film? 
Yes. I think thankfully we both had a very similar vision. And I think for him, you know, being the daughter of, I think there's a lot of assumptions about what kind of film you want to make or what kind of film the family wants to make. And I made it very clear from day one that me personally, I'm a truth seeker. You know, I've been an actor for many, many years and you're always searching for that seed of truth to ground yourself and to ground the audience and the experience. And for me, it was the only way to tell the story was to be honest. And one thing that I love about Roger's filmmaking is that he tells very honest, emotional stories. And so we really were lockstep in that approach. Thankfully, my family also felt very strongly about really giving a very honest and truthful portrayal because that's what we can offer. You know, there's been behind the music, there have been other documentaries, but nothing from our perspective, from the people who really knew her the best. And we just felt like that's really how you can connect with people is through that truthfulness and that vulnerability. And when you when you talk about um, the, the the honesty and having everyone in agreement about the kind of film you wanted to make, how was it for you personally just going through all this archive footage and this family history? You know, it's emotional. I, I think, you know, that you look at your life and you go, wow, we've led a spectacular life. There's been so many ups and downs, but you see all these moments of, of family and fun and celebration, sometimes tougher dynamics as well. And you go, wow, we've come so far and we have so much that we can be thankful for and blessed by, you know, particularly as you are working through, you know, the grieving process. And I think it was really cathartic. I thought I was like, when I started, I was like, Oh, I think I'll be fine. I'm, I'm pretty objective. But I think once I really started to go through all of these things, it really allowed me to find deeper healing and deeper kind of, I guess, closure as much as you can have um, with something like this. So were there any surprising discoveries that you made on this journey that perhaps you didn't know before? Forgetting what, what other people, fans of your mother might or might not know, but for you, were there, were there uh, truths unearthed? You know what? I think for me, it was really being able to, you know, you hear all these individualized stories or hear about all of these, you know, different players and, and characters in her life, but to be able to engage with them and to really have deep conversations and, and put all of these pieces together and see like the full scope. I think what hit me most was really having a, a much deeper understanding of the intensity of her experience when she shot to fame, you know, what that really felt like and how she balanced that with being a mother of a young daughter and dealing with, uh, you know, the expectation and all of those things that she had to carry. And I just, I am amazed that she was able to survive that and to go on and have a, a successful life after that, because many people don't. And so I just really have a lot, uh, a much deeper respect for her <laughs> because of that. It, it, it's, it's really interesting because I, I think she she spoke about that, um, the, the separation of the artist Donna Summer on stage and, and who she was behind the scene. In many ways, she considered every every live performance and, and, I, and I guess every time she was the musician Donna yeah. Summer, 
that was a performance to her. She, I, I think she even went as far as to say it was acting. She was actually acting a role. Yes, yes. No, I think that's how she approached her singing. And I think, you know, she started in the church, but then she went into the musical theater. You know, she had this whole period of time where she really learned this art form, this theatricality and, you know, with hair and Godspell and all of these things that she did in Europe that I think really helped craft her, her gifting and, and bring a different elements. And I think that's why so much of that ended up in her kind of pop performances and her stage performances. And she really learned to take each song as an individualized character and really bring that emotion and that feeling and that truth to each song to connect with the audience. Um, and I think that's why she was so successful in connecting is because she really would go there and it wouldn't just be kind of like this I always say her shows were like immersive experiences, you know, and I think because she the way she approached these songs and singing is part of the reason why she was able to take people on such a journey throughout her stage performances. And as well as um, obviously uh, the, the reams of, of constant footage and, and performances that you have, um, uh, you were quite benefited by the fact that uh, that she, uh, your mother, she enjoyed shooting home videos as well. She oh, was yeah. one of the early adopters of having yeah. a video camera around the house. She she loved to have a camera, whether it was a video camera, whether it was a still camera. So we really had such like just gold. We had a treasure chest of these home videos, these behind the scene moments, uh, behind, you know, backstage doing all these crazy skits. You know, as a kid, sometimes you're like, mom, stop, you're being annoying. <laughs> but now I am just so, so grateful because they, they really just capture a moment in time in a way that, you know, just having somebody tell the story to be able to see it and feel like you're there in the moment with them uh, was really such an asset to the film. And I think really lent itself to the authenticity of the storytelling, because you're really seeing it from her perspective. Roger and I would joke, we'd be like, she's, she's the director, she's the cinematographer, she's, she's the narrator, you know, and we really wanted it to feel like you were getting to, to be inside her mind. And, uh, you know, so all of those elements really helped to build that. And uh, you've been very careful with the the use of music in your film as well. You, it's it's not just needle drops for the sake of needle drops. It's very entwined with the actual the narrative of the piece. Well, we felt like that was the most impactful. You know, I think you have this. Thankfully, we had so many songs. Her catalog is very diverse and we had so much to work from which sometimes made it difficult because we're like how do we get some of these big songs and hits but we didn't want it to feel like a wikipedia page we didn't want to be bound by well this song came out in this year and that song came out in that year we wanted to use the music as a means to tell the story and to give emotional impact to the story that we were telling and so thankfully we had a real deep catalog to be able to pull the songs to, to be able to do that. In terms of what you're personally hoping as, as the filmmaker, the co-director behind this, what are you hoping that audiences will take away from the experience of watching love to love you, Donna Summer? Well, I think it's twofold. I think one of the biggest things is my mom was 
a real artist. And I think sometimes that artistry gets overlooked because of the big disco persona, the queen of disco, first lady of love, all these titles that have been attached to her. And her life was really a life of an artist. She was a massively creative person and her artistry really transcended just the persona. And so I hope that is translated to her, to, to the audience and is established as a real foundational point of her legacy. But also more importantly, and I think this is a, a reason why we did choose to be so honest and so vulnerable is that, you know, she was a complex person and not a perfect person, mm. but she was still able to use her gifts. She was still able to have a successful life and family. Uh, but, you know, there were some tough conversations and tough things that we had to work through. And, and we are hoping that by us sharing our journey, that people will feel that they have the freedom to do that in their journey. And that, again, goes back to her legacy. Her music was able to join people together, to, to show love, to show joy, and to bring healing. And I think, you know, people will say, oh, well, it's just a dance song, but people would literally cry on the dance floor. There was something about her music that really connected. And so we're just hoping the film also is, is a part of that legacy and, and does that for the audience. Fantastic. Well, as I said, uh, love to love you, Donna Summer. Uh, it's, uh, it's available on HBO, HBO Max as of the 20th of May. Uh, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, right now, to bring it back to our virtual cinema, Brooklyn, you're about to take us on your perfect night out at the movies. You are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. So... We push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz, as there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip, Brooklyn. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? Well, I'm definitely not bringing my mother because she would talk all throughout the movies and ask <laughs> lots of questions, so she would be very distracting. So I don't know. This question has actually been the hardest question because it just really depends on what film I'm seeing. You know, if it's like a fun bridesmaids kind of movie, I'm taking my sister. If I'm taking some art house film, I want it to be Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese. So, you know, for me, it's really hard. If it's a documentary, I'm taking Roger. So, you know, it just... It, it, it's a date depending on what film I'm seeing. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. But, but the one you're definite about is, is not your mum. Was she a big not talker? Big talker during movies then? Big talker during movies. <laughs> <laughs> was Just it, watch the movie, mom. Was it one of those situations where I, I, I had it with, uh, with my own dad? He used, to, he used to talk and then miss part of the movie and then ask me what's happening. A hundred percent. You've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got a mix here. It could be your sister, it could be Quentin Tarantino. I mean, I don't want you to announce the movie you've picked for us later, but based on you having chosen that particular movie, do you have a favorite guest to go with you? I'm going to take Roger. I'm taking yeah. Roger with me. Okay. Um, I've enjoyed watching a lot of uh, your interviews together. You seem to actually have a really good friendship as well as a collaborative movie-making partnership. 100%. Uh, we joke that Roger is now part of the family. So <laughs> he and I uh, were bonded for life. I, I could not be more appreciative of his his role in in making the film with me, but just also on a personal level, 
he really gave me a lot. This is my first film. And so he really was very impactful in just empowering me and giving me the confidence to trust my instincts and to just, you know, be a, a great cheerleader in this process. So we're bonded for life. And as you said, it's your, it's your first film. I, I could list off your numerous acting CVs from Ballers to Taken, but have you caught the filmmaking bug from the other side of the camera now? It's 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 something that I love. I've really enjoyed really every aspect of the filmmaking process from the research to the interviews to the editing process. We had fantastic editors on this film and not Sidi, uh, Jean Shen, John Strait, like, you know, all of the, all of the editors were so fantastic. When I saw Anat's first cut, I, I, I cried because to see your vision come to life in a way that you could have only imagined, um, you know, I'm so grateful to them. I loved that process. And so, yeah, this is my first, I will say this is my first I'm thinking about and working on what the next one will be. So yeah, more to come. Fantastic. Exciting times. All right. So there is a clock on the wall of the foyer in our cinema. It reads a specific time. What time of day have we gone to the cinema? You know, I'm going to go for an early evening, you know, not too late, not, you know, late afternoon, you kind of have the lull, but then too late, you know, it's like a, maybe a six thirty movie, seven o'clock movie. Okay, so dinner before the movie, dinner after the movie, or dinner at the movies? I'm I, I'm going to say dinner before the movie because I want to enjoy the treats at the movie. Okay, so the the the, the food at the movie that's your dessert. You're leaving space yeah. for that. Okay, yes. yes. I'm going to put you down for a six thirty screening. Now, obviously, Perfect. that's it's quite a popular screening time. It's quite busy. Do you enjoy the communal experience of being in a movie theater with a lot of people? Yes, I think there's something to, I mean, that's why, uh, yes, you want to see the movie on a big screen, but I think that's part of the joy of going to a cinema, to the theater, to sit with an audience and to have this mutual experience, to laugh with people, to cry with people, to be on this journey together. And I think that's the amazing part of the experience. And uh, how was it for you sitting in a room, a busy auditorium, watching your own film for the first time? Was it, were you on tenterhooks? Were you nervous? Were you relaxed? Were you just pleased at the reaction? Uh, all of the above. I <laughs> was very nervous. We had our world premiere at the Berlinale in Berlin, which was uh, a very full circle moment for, for me. But I was very nervous, a lot of butterflies. But to sit in the audience and to hear them laugh and to be to watch them be so engaged and so just focused on the story uh, and to get the response afterwards and, and, and feeling like, oh, wow, okay, what we, what we were trying to do, it landed. People got it and were moved by the, by the film. There's, there's nothing like it. That, that was just an incredible feeling. Right then, well... You've booked the tickets for the cinema trip, Brooklyn. So where in the auditorium have you chosen for us to sit? Well, I want don't want to be too close because mm. that's kind of you, I want a good perspective. So I'm like three quarters of the way up three in my quarters. seat. Okay. Yeah. And are we taking an aisle seat or are we going right in the center? It's an important I, question. I'm, I'm going towards the center, not fully directly in the middle. 
but you know, more towards the center. I want, I want a pretty, I want a good perspective. Okay. Okay. Now in a real cinema, we, we haven't discussed yet how, whether it's just you and Roger, or you're going to be inviting more people in later, but in a real cinema, obviously if you're in the center, you're going to have to ask, ask people to move if you can't last the duration. Are you okay well, with no, that? You have to take what we call a safety potty in my house. You have to go to the bathroom right before the film starts. You have to get all your snacks before the film starts because there's nothing more annoying than having to get up in the middle of a film to use the restroom or go grab a snack. I, I, I've been looking for a pleasant and wholesome way to uh, address what you've just said, and safety potty is safety perfect. Potty. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is that is that a common phrase, or is that something that you've come up with? I I feel like this is something that my husband and I have come up with for our children. It's a safety potty. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, consider me educated as well as your children at the wonders <laughs> of a <laughs> a safety potty. All right, brilliant. So the air. In the foyer, mm, it's full of wonderful smells. All smacks, snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What are you choosing to eat as your post-dinner cinema treat? Uh, so I probably will do like a lemonade or a root beer. No, let's go for root beer. And I will get popcorn, lightly buttered and lightly salted. And then my favorite, milk duds. Like milk duds, jeez. Oh, yeah. Now- for the uninitiated, talk us through the joys of milk duds. Exactly what are they again? <laughs> so milk duds are, I guess, like a caramel covered in chocolate. Um, they tend to get stuck in your teeth, so they're a little bit of work. You have to, like, do a, a partial bite down. Um, but they're just delicious. And then you have, like, the popcorn in between, and it's just a really nice, sweet and salty, savory kind of experience. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling that, and also you picked root beer, which is it's 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 not something that we have uh, that much in the UK. Yes. In fact, I, oh, every really? time I'm in LA, I'm required to bring root beer back for a friend because we can't we don't have the wow. same kind of thing. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah, root beer is you know is underrated. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a, it's a very distinctive taste. All right, I'm mm-hmm. loving this this collection of snacks we've got here milk duds lightly buttered and salted popcorn and some root beer i think we're ready to leave the foyer so we shall and walk down the corridor towards the auditorium now i'm going to put up posters along the cinema wall that illustrate some of your most important movie memories and the first poster i'm putting up depicts your fondest movie memory my fondest movie memory is actually the sound of music with julie andrews And it's because it reminds me of being actually in Japan. The first time I saw that film was in Japan. And my sister and Amanda and I were watching it with Japanese subtitles on the bottom. And so it is just a memory. We were on tour with my mother and we just fell in love with the musical and just watched it so many times over. And so that for me is my fondest movie memory that's amazing so you actually you you were in japan it's very strange somehow i'm watching films in foreign countries does seem to often come up as people's fondest movie memories because of how Mm. unique an experience it is Um, what captured you about the film the songs the performances were you singing the songs immediately afterwards 
Oh, 100%. I mean, I think, uh, <laughs> I think once you see the documentary, you realize that our life was like a living musical. So it just <laughs> felt very apropos and very natural uh, for us to kind of see this film and to see, okay, we're just walking along into, you know, uh, on in the green grass singing Do Re Mi. Like that was very much our life. So it felt like a very natural thing for us. And so, uh, but, you know, to see the kids and, the, you know, the dynamics and just all the amazing songs uh julie andrews is you know so lovely and charming in the film so yeah it just there was so much to that that felt like home so well i'm i'm, I'm assuming that you, your your mom was rehearsing uh, getting ready for the performance that evening so you got to go to the cinema that was your day well, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, I actually think it was not even in the cinema. I think it was actually in the hotel room that they were like, we have something special for you <laughs> because there was no really American television. So we were like, what are we going to do? And so they brought it in special for us to be able to watch. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. Okay. We'll continue down the corridor. Our second poster depicts your worst movie memory. I think it was seeing the movie Labyrinth as a child uh, with David Bowie because it gave me nightmares. <laughs> I think it was just a little too intense for me at the time that I saw it. Okay, roughly, roughly what age are we talking? Oh, I don't know, maybe seven or... Uh, my, my older sister Mimi is eight years older than me. So there are certain things that we saw because she's like, oh, I want to see this. And so I think... Yeah. I think that was why we were watching it. But it was, you know, I think it's but was supposed to be a kid's movie, but it yeah. was just like there was a couple of scenes there that just stuck with me. And I, I remember just not sleeping well afterwards. Was it the uh, quite terrifying puppets and I believe some juggling fireheads or yes. was it? Was it <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It wasn't. Yes. It wasn't just how tight David Bowie's pants were in that no, movie. No, 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 no. I don't think I was even aware of that part of it. I think it was some of those other scenes that felt a little intense and dramatic for my young brain. Okay, I'm going to put down scary muppets and a poster for <laughs> Labyrinth is going up on the wall. All right. Okay. Our third poster depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. Uh it was everything, everywhere, all at once. I oh. think that uh, it, for me, it caught me off guard because that movie was so vibrant and so colorful and uh, action-packed in so many ways. But also, it was funny. My sister Amanda had seen it before me and she was like, oh, just wait, Brooklyn. Just wait. You're going to be emotional. And I was like, I found myself crying watching these rocks with googly eyes jumping over a cliff together and i was it was really just uh so well done and so unexpected but yeah had me in tears it's um it's the mother daughter relationship isn't it by by that point you are so engaged in in this relationship uh, between them that yeah. even though you are just watching googly eyed rocks rolling yeah. down a cliff you are so invested in what that represents it it was so very well done. So very well done. And and you are, you, I mean, I think that's great storytelling is you care about the characters. You have gone on this journey and you can see yourself in the story and that that film did a very good job at that. Right. Good. A poster for everything, everywhere, all at once is going up. 
And we continue down to our final poster, which depicts your unpopular movie opinion. Well, this is just a very pop cultural one. I recently went to go see uh, the Super Mario movie that just made a bajillion dollars in the box <laughs> office, and I did not like it at all. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. I sat through the thing and I was like, I don't like this. But everybody else did. So, you know. It's, isn't it weird? Do you, do you never get worried where seemingly everyone has gone to see something and everyone has come away going, no, that was great. And you're like, what, what did I miss? Right. Yes. And I think, you know, I think that has a lot of, again, like pop sensibility it's, you know, a cultural touchstone for a lot of people because of the video games and all of these things. And I grew up playing that game and, and, but the film lost me. I don't know. It just, I didn't feel like it had, again, maybe the character connection and impact that I wanted it to in the, in the storytelling, it felt, it felt a little disjointed to me, but you know, maybe I'm being hypercritical of a cartoon, but you know, a lot of times those, a lot of times the kid movies are some of the best movies. They, they have to appeal to many different audiences and age ranges. And they, they really hit the nail on the head. This one particularly for me didn't. Did you go and see it with, uh, with kids, with your kids? Or? I, you know, it was actually my son's first film. So yes, I saw it with my kids. Oh my god, this was his his first experience of a, a movie theater ever. Yep, yep, yep. Popcorn, red vines, the whole thing. <laughs> and, and and tell me, did he like it though? He liked it. Yeah, he actually asked last week to go see it again. So he, I think, he enjoyed the experience. I mean, that's a vote of confidence to uh, to want to see yeah. a movie again. I mean, yes. there's no there's no wonder it's made a gajillion dollars because there exactly. you go. <laughs> for his for his four and a half year old mind, it was a win. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen it yet, um, but I, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews. Weirdly, yeah. children seem to love it. Adults, yes. not so much. Yes, yes, yeah. Right then, that's a poster for the Super Mario Brothers movie going up. <laughs> and we've arrived at our last set of doors. Now, there's a queue of people hoping to join you and Roger in the cinema. Do you want to let them in or do you want to have an exclusive cinema auditorium all to yourself? No, let's bring in, let's bring in the other folks. All right. The crowd go wild. They're pouring into the auditorium. Now, before the movie begins, we're going to play a few things on the big cinema screen. And the first thing we're going to play is the trailer for the film you're most looking forward to. What film are you most looking forward to coming out? Actually, it's Roger's newest, his first narrative film called Cassandro mm -hmm. uh, that I have not yet seen. Uh, it premiered at Sundance to rave reviews, and I've only heard about the amazing performances and all and and the writing and so I'm very thrilled to be able to see that soon. That sounds great. And I mean, will you be seeing it with Roger? You, is he going to take you? I hope so. I hope so. I don't I think it premieres in the fall, so we'll see. Okay. Next up, we're going to play your favorite shot or sequence from a movie. Well, it was hard to choose one, but I I, I feel like it's any Spike Lee dolly shot. I think, you know, whether it's do the right thing, I think they're so iconic and so, um, so Spike that, you know, it really, he made his mark with that kind of shot and it's just so impactful. So that's, that would be my choice. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. Uh, shall we go for the one from do the right thing just because that, that's the one you mentioned, or do you just want to play an entire montage of every Spike Lee Dolly no, let's shot. just do the right thing. That's such a fantastic movie. I can I can stick with that. So 
You very kindly printed out T-shirts as a gift for our audience with your favorite movie quote on the front. What is that movie quote? If you build it, he will come from the field of dreams. I know it sounds like a little cheesy, but it really is, I think, so true to life. Uh, it, it, it resonates with me because it's what I did with this film. It, it's an idea that mm. I said, you know, you, you, you speak it and it's able to come true. And so, you know, I, I really try to live my life by, if you build it, it will come. That's a that's a really that's a really positive outlook. Do you do you have to make an effort to remain that positive and that sort of creatively uh, optimistic, or does it just come naturally? I I think it, I think it's a choice. You know, I think personally, like you know, not every day is a great day, but you can choose for how you perceive something. And I think in life, there's so many hard things that are going on in the world, and yes, they get to you. But I think ultimately we can choose our joy and we can choose to create a life that is is joy giving to other people. And so I try to live in the positive as much as possible. Hmm. As life is hard, it's not always easy. And so if you can do it with a smile or with a with a song, you know, I think that uh, makes things go a lot easier. And, and for me, this film. The documentary has been that, you know, there was a lot of work. We went through a global pandemic while we were, you know, putting it together, doing lots of interviews over Zoom and editing, editing over Zoom. So some of the conditions weren't ideal, but it was a vision that I believed in and Roger believed in. And so now I have a lot of gratitude that we were able to create a film that we feel proud, uh, proud about and that is impactful. And I mean, considering um, that you were working under those circumstances, the uh, the honesty uh, that has come from some of uh, the people who you interviewed on uh, the film, that's uh, a testament to you and Roger and being able to bring that out of people because people are unflinchingly honest in it. Well, I think we, when we first reached out to people or I reached out to them, I think I... I try to uh, let them know that I was going to be okay with whatever they said, that nothing would be shocking to me, that I wanted to understand and know the truth, that it was important to me to really have that and that that information was going to be a, in a safe place. It wasn't going to be used in a way that was going to be salacious or try to hurt anybody. But in, in order to really tell somebody's story and understand their full impact of their life, you have to know some of the tough things, the journey that they had to go through in order to understand other people and connect with other people. And so thankfully, uh, people were willing to be honest and share their stories. Right. We've only got one more thing to do uh, before we announce the movie that you've picked, and that is to play your favorite song or score from a movie. Oh, that that's really really hard. I will say I'm very excited to see the Little Mermaid movie. You know, I again here I go to another ch child's you know childhood movie. Uh, but that song also the songs from that um, part of your world resonates with me so much because it was a song, funnily enough, that my sister Amanda and I sang on stage with my mother. So it was something again this mother daughter 
parent daughter relationship uh, that was reflected in the film that also was reflected in our own lives. And so uh, I would say maybe part of part of your world from The Little Mermaid. I mean, there's a lot of songs, but that one, there's a there's a nice connection with. And what, what were the circumstances that uh, brought you on stage with your mother and your sister to sing that song? Well, we went on tour with my mom. And so, you know, we had to work backstage and do, you know, we were roadies. We were, you know, managing the quick change booths and steaming people's costumes <laughs> and setting out makeup and all of those kind of things. My mom wanted us to really understand just how much of a team effort it was to create a show and not just the fun part of performing. She knew that we would enjoy the performance part, but also wanted to understand how much work uh, it took to, to make a show like that happen. So we, we got to do both. Wow. So you really did work. Like it wasn't, it wasn't oh, yeah. a free ride. Was it wasn't. My that was our summer job. <laughs> Three months on a tour bus. Well, I don't know whether I'm stereotyping what my image in my head is of a roadie, but they, 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 they certainly look like they wear a lot more denim than perhaps you do and often have beards. Yes. Yeah. You would not be wrong in that assumption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, great. Well, look where we've arrived. It's time to announce to our excited audience and Roger in this packed auditorium the movie you have picked, Brooklyn, out of all others to screen for us tonight. What are we watching? You know, I saw recently a film called Bobby Wine for President. It's a documentary uh, about Bobby Wine from Uganda and his his impact on society there and his trials and tribulations of going up against uh, the president and trying to create change in a country that does not want to change there. And so I know Roger has deep connections to Uganda through God Loves Uganda, his film. And so I just was very much uh, impacted by that film and think it's a great film for people to watch out for. Okay, you are going to have to literally treat me as uh, someone who is coming to this information completely blind. So could you tell me a little bit more uh, 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 about this this story, this this man, what the backstory is? Yes, so Bobby Wine is a musician uh, in Uganda. He's like a singer and performer, a rapper, And so he would write these kind of political songs and he became a politician in the Ugandan, I'm assuming, I don't know exactly, I think it's the parliament, whatever their structure is, government structure is, and really was trying to create change for the people there and and go up against some of the corrupt forces in the government and had a lot of pushback. There was a lot of violence perpetuated against him and his support, his supporters to kind of squash down those elements uh, uh, to, to change some of those things in, that were going on in the country and continue to go on in the country. So it was just a very compelling film. There was a lot of music in that documentary as well. And he is just a very interesting character. And so I was very much impacted by it when I watched. So that movie, once again, is Bobby Wine for President. That's what it's called. Yes, Bobby Wine for President. I'm, I'm going to look out it's for it. It's a documentary that's fantastic. Brilliant stuff. 
Well, that's it, Brooklyn. The curtains have closed. The guests are milling out, smiling, chatting and thanking you for taking them on an incredible night out at the movies. But before you go, it's time for this week's mystery question as we ask... What's in the box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? So I've, I've got a box with a mystery question. Uh, okay. In. Okay, so uh, we've talked a lot about your work as a filmmaker, but as an actress, mm-hmm. is there a dream role that you, Brooklyn, would love to portray on the screen? You know, I think for me it's always trying to – to play interesting people and characters. You know, I've been wanting to, I've never done actually a period piece. So, you know, I would love to play, you know, a singer in Harlem in the 1920s or 30s or, uh, you know, a, a, a struggling mother in a Western, you know, something to that effect where you're able to really kind of capture a moment of time you know, kind of like we did in this documentary. I, I, w- I would love to be able to do something like that. Oh, okay, Brooklyn, that is it. Your taxi has arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you leave, let's recap your perfect night at the cinema. You are going with Roger Ross Williams at 6.30 in the evening after dinner but so you can have dessert at the cinema. You're sitting three quarters of the way back, not quite the middle, but not the aisle because you've had a safety potty first. You are ordering root beer, some lightly buttered and salted popcorn and some milk duds. We're putting up posters of The Sound of Music because it reminds you of being in Japan. Labyrinth as your worst movie memory because those Muppets are damn scary. The last performance that brought you to tears was from Everything Everywhere All at Once. And the final poster depicts your unpopular movie opinion, which you didn't love Super Mario Brothers, the movie, despite the fact that it's made a gajillion dollars and everyone else seems to love it. We're going to play the trailer for Roger's new movie, Cassandra. We're going to play a Spike Lee dolly shot. In fact, the one from Do the Right Thing. We're printing on the T-shirts. If you build it, they will come. Then we are going to be playing part of your world from The Little Mermaid to listen to in the auditorium before we screen Bobby Wine for president. Wow. What a (laughs) night. Have you had a good time? Oh, yeah. It's a little schizophrenic, but, you know. (laughs) What an eclectic night. Honest answers. That's all that's all we need. Honest answers. I love the I love this documentary about Uganda. But just before it we're listening to music from the Little Mermaid. I just think there's such a a wonderful collection of moments there. Thank you very much for taking us. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. And as Brooklyn's cab carries her away from our virtual cinema, off into the distance, it's your chance to win a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema. As I said at the start, the lovely people at Odeon have given us a pair of tickets to give away every week. And if you'd like the chance of getting these tickets, all you have to do is leave us a review of the show or a comment on our socials. You can leave the review on whichever podcast platform you use, be it Apple Podcasts or other, or you can get in touch on any of our socials, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, where we're 
at Trip to Movies Pod. The competition is only open to UK residents, and the tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget you can find the full video interview for today's Brooklyn Sedano episode, and indeed the video for every guest we've had on on our trip to the movies youtube channel so head over there and subscribe and that is it for this week i'll be back next week when another special guest takes us on a trip to the movies bye bye